0: I've found that when I speak about it, it's a little bit different. Like I feel like and it took me a little while to figure out why people were hearing me more than they were somebody else, but I represent the people that they're gonna leave behind. Like I represent their wives and the mothers of their children and their girlfriends and their mothers or fathers or friends, like I I have a different message. I'm not a snowmobiler. Like I'm not. Like that's not my idea of a really good time. And so, to hear me talk about it, I've been told it just it really hits them differently. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. Inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third-generation
1: family business entrepreneur Renee Oswald. Welcome back to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. This is the only podcast in East Idaho to share stories of local business owners, entrepreneurs, and influencers. The stories are inspiring, and what's even better is it gives us a chance to get to know our neighbors better. So today, guys, I am so privileged to have a very special guest. Her real-life tragedy has led to improved safety for many snowmobile enthusiasts, Welcome, Summer Anderson of the Adam Anderson Avalanche Program. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you. Well, Summer, we I feel so privileged to be able to speak to you, and especially on the cusp of snowmobiling season happening. Yes. And, um, you know, a lot of our loved ones and ourselves are going to be out there enjoying the snow. So what I understand is that nearly three three years ago, you lost your husband Adam to an avalanche while he was snowmobiling, and that inspired the Adam Anderson Avalanche Program. So tell us about what that program is
0: um, So it's a program that we started just right after in fact it was the evening after his funeral. <laughs> I was talking with a good friend and I was like man I wish I could do something I just want to do something whether I buy beacons and leave them up there for people to use and that was the initial thought was just a beacon and I started talking about it more and then Action Motorsports jumped on board and just a few weeks after that we had like an open house for awareness. And, you know, terrible joke, but everything snowballed (laughs) and it just got (laughs) bigger and bigger. And so what we do is we offer free rental gear for people to use, which includes an airbag, the beacon, a probe and a shovel. And those kits are very expensive, like, you know, upwards of a thousand dollars or more. Right. So we were able to raise enough money to buy a bunch and we've had individual bags donated to and we leave them at high mountain adventures in island park and at action motorsports and completely for free people can come in and take them out for the day so if they don't have it or if they've forgotten it like i just want everyone to have access to it because adam did not have it on at the time and um so yeah we do that and then another project we've done on that is we've posted warning signs in Island Park and in the Palisades area at trailheads, just you know, alerting riders that this is avalanche country, be prepared, make sure you've checked your gear and the forecast, um, just because a lot of people travel from other places to come ride here because it's amazing
1: here. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of known for know the snow, yeah. right? Yeah. So tell me about that. What is it that we don't know, you know, just looking at the snow, you think, yeah. okay, I can go snowmobile on that, but what is it that, we should know and how? where do we find that information? Absolutely, so there are actually avalanche
0: centers all over and that's what they do is they monitor the conditions. They go out and they test it daily and so they're constantly putting on the internet or apps what the conditions are like how bad it is and so you know which is actually something i didn't know until this had happened right and i worked in motorsports while i was in college that entire time like i sold avalanche gear and you know worked with snowmobilers and i didn't even realize that was an a resource so as i met more people and i'm like you know why aren't people checking because the day adam went out danger was pretty moderate like it was it was on the higher end so if people know that, then they should know to kind of avoid areas. And, you know, another thing that we've done is we've sponsored a couple of avalanche um, courses. So a couple of riders, they wanted to go take it. We paid for them to get their certification. And when you take those certifications, you learn just so much about what to watch for, what to look for, how to check what the conditions are yourself, that type of thing. So Know the Snow kind of started from... You know, just be aware of what conditions you're riding in and what the snow looks
1: like. So, Summer, when when we're talking about this, are we talking mainly backcountry snowmobiling or are we talking trail riding? Yeah, may, mainly backcountry. Um,
0: a slope, anything above, you know, 35 degrees. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's where the avalanches are going to yep. happen. And yep. that's usually not where they're grooming the trails. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got, it. <laughs> Got it. Got it. So, if a person isn't trained to use the pack, mm-hmm. is it pretty simple? If I go to get one, do they give me some training at the site, or um, how does that work?
0: You know, I would hope so. You can always ask for it, but you know, so we did an open house at action just on Saturday, and they kind of went through all of it. It's it's actually really simple, but it would definitely be more beneficial to know how to use all of your gear. you got to know when you need to pull the bag because they've just the technology is fantastic. You reach up, you pull it, it blows it up, but it's not. It's not a like a like a automatic thing. Yeah. Just because you have that gear on does not mean that you are going to be saved and that you are untouchable. You need to know how to use all of that gear properly. And so, you know, that's kind of also goes along with our message that you need the education, you know, go have fun. Like we uh, encourage that, but just make sure you know what you're doing so that you can come home at the end of the day, because that's, you know that's important. You've got people at
1: home waiting for you. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Tell me about what happened then Saturday, just November yeah. 14th. You had this yep. class at action. Yes. So what takes place there? Is it like all day long or how, what is yeah, it? Yeah, It was
0: the morning. So Chick-fil-A here in Ammon donates breakfast, which is amazing. I think this is the third, this is the third year we've done it. Um, And so Chick-fil-A donates breakfast and then we have people come in and kind of give just like some really basic instruction and then we check everyone's gear, like make sure canisters are full, um, beacons are working, replace your batteries, and then Action has a big sale on all of their gear so we obviously encourage everyone to buy it, which is great. Typically we do a fundraiser for the project but I was in quarantine. (laughs) So I did not get that put together. Darn it. I know. I know. So I'm going to, I'm planning on doing a fundraiser just online down the road. Yeah. So So. how was the
1: turnout at the, Oh, it was fantastic. There were
0: so many people. Yeah. In fact, everyone that we've had, we've just had really, really good success with, and the community has always been so supportive and really receptive to what I'm trying to, you know, say and the message I'm trying to deliver. So I've been really lucky.
1: So, do you ever get in those situations and you have these guys who are like, you know, I don't need that. That's not like I don't I don't need those things. I'm really experienced. I'm like, do you hear that? Um, you know, actually, I don't. So
0: something that's been kind of interesting for me because, you know, the message is out there. The avalanche centers do it. You know, writers talk about avalanche safety, but. I've found that when I speak about it, it's a little bit different. Like, I feel like, and it took me a little while to figure out why people were hearing me more than they were somebody else, but I represent the people that they're going to leave behind. Like, I represent their wives and the mothers of their children and their girlfriends and their mothers, their fathers, their friends, like... I, I have a different message. I'm not a snowmobiler. Like I'm not like, that's not my idea of a really good time. And so to hear me talk about it, I've been told it just, it really hits them differently. And so, and as I was telling you before, like if, as long as I'm being heard and people are listening, like I'll keep talking about it. So, cause for some reason that kind of clicks with them a little bit more than just hearing a professional tell them you
1: need to be safe. Well, it's probably a little less about bravado and more (laughs) about that vulnerability of, yeah, I actually have responsibilities and people who love me and all of that kind of stuff.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: mm -hmm. Yeah. Plus you speak to it very powerfully.
0: Oh, thank you. I, I, yeah, I don't, it's, it's really strange and people are always like, I don't know why you do that. And I'm like, you know, I'm not entirely sure why I do either, but I, I just, I really feel like there's like somebody somewhere I'm supposed to touch with this story. And if it's even just one person that would not have come home otherwise, this is absolutely worth all of the time and money and energy that's been put into this. And, you know, hopefully it's more than one person, but if it's just the one, then like my mission is accomplished.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess you just have to trust that that's happening, right? Because we don't report statistics of everyone who comes home. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I like
0: to see, you know, I think it was last year, there was a little bit of a decline in um, avalanche deaths. And so I'm like, maybe it's making a difference. Like maybe, maybe it's
1: helping. So, well, I love the whole aspect of the education around it for one. Yeah. And the just talking about it, because I think a lot of it is, especially if you've grown up around here, snowmobiling is just kind of the thing that you do. Mm -hmm. And, um, what I understand is that the power of the sleds and the places these guys can go, it's just different than it's ever been. Snowmobiling is a risky sport when you're doing it like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the technology they're coming out with now is just they're literally going places that they have never been able to get to before, you know, and Skeeter just brought out a turbo that's coming out stock with a turbo on it. And so it's like, there's more power and more ability for these riders than they've ever had. So they're getting into more and more dangerous conditions. And so I think now more than ever, it's more important for everyone to understand the, the risk that is there when they're out doing that and you know they may not even realize it because their sled's so awesome yeah and it goes so fast (laughs) you know so i yeah i think the education is honestly probably my biggest message you know just make sure if you're going to go and you're going to have fun invest in your future and make sure that you've got your education
1: and there's tools now that can help oh, yeah. save your life. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's
0: there's so many resources and options. And so that's one thing that I do try to do on my Facebook page, which is where I do the majority of
1: my things. And that's the Adam Adam Anderson Avalanche. Project, project page yeah, on facebook i don't know why yeah. that's not hard time it, to yeah to it's say. a mouthful <laughs> it, it was kind of like jumbled together really
0: quickly and we're like that sounds good and now it's it you does know, sound good
1: yeah it's a okay, mouthful. okay so go but. to that guys it, check out that facebook page so you can always be in touch with what's going on yeah but go yeah. ahead
0: i always put on like all the education opportunities that are out there i do forecasting like when it's posted you know i just try and share a lot on there so that it's easily accessible, you know. And I don't have a huge following, but um, I always try and just push it to as many people as possible.
1: Well, it sounds like you have a great partnership with Action I Motorsports. Do. Yeah. So how did that take
0: place? Uh, so I worked at Action for okay. a long time. Great. Yeah. Yep. I worked in the parts department, and I just I love them so much. And then Steve Dutcher, that works there, him and his wife is a really good friend of mine, and they were my neighbors at the time. So automatically, we just kind of. Started working together, and Action has been so supportive. And
1: they—they just, yeah, they're the best. It made a lot of sense to have you guys partner up. Absolutely, and do this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How was it working then? Is it the Forest Service that yeah. you're having to go on and put these signs up? Yes. So how was it working with the mm-hmm. government agency?
0: Fantastic absolutely fantastic and you know i was kind of nervous if they were going to allow us to do that right um but obviously the signs have to meet certain guidelines and it has to be approved by the forest service and yeah they both years that we've done that it's been fantastic
1: yeah they've been
0: just really, really supportive.
1: I would imagine yeah. because they know what has happened. And yeah. yeah, yeah, probably a lot of support from search and rescue and all sorts of agencies oh that yes. has said, we want you to do this.
0: Absolutely, especially Fremont County, which is where Adam um, died and it's also where I grew up. And so Fremont County search and rescue has been, yeah, amazing. Well, tell me a little bit about that. How did you and Adam meet? Like, what is that story? Yes, it's a fantastic story. (laughs) Um, So my best friend was setting me up on a blind date. So it was actually really funny because I was driving to meet him. I had not met him And are you saying you
1: were a St. Anthony girl or Ashton or where were you? Yep, St. Anthony. St. Anthony, okay. That's where I
0: grew up, yep. But I was going to school in Pocatello. And so I'm driving to meet this guy on a blind date where we're going to a monster truck rally. And he calls me and he's like, hey, where are you at? And I'm like, I'm on the sweat, on my way. And he says, you know what I just thought? He goes, if we get married, your name would be Summer Anderson. And how cool does that sound? (laughs) You and, hadn't
1: even met him. Oh yet. yeah, no. And I, so I called my mom.
0: I was like, "Dude, listen to what this guy just said." And she goes, "Turn around. I was like, Do not go." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't think I should go, but I'm already here." So, but it was just that's so his personality. Uh-huh, yeah, he. It. I. He just had the hugest, most fun, energetic personality. And that was what I was instantly attracted to. He was so much fun. And honestly, for the almost 10 years we were together, he made me laugh every single day, every single day. Yeah. So he was, he
1: was a blast. That's awesome. Is Adam, is he an Idaho kid? Yeah, grew up in Rigby. Okay. Yep. So a Rigby kid, a yep. St. Anthony kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How long did you guys
0: date? Um, for almost two years. And then we went to the Dominican Republic and got married on the beach. How fun. Yes. It was very romantic. Yeah, that's yeah. great. It was really fun. And then I think it was a year and a half later, we had our first little boy, Dash, which we were just completely obsessed with. And you know, we always said, like, maybe two. And then after Dash came along, we were like, let's have seven. He's so cute. <laughs> we love this. Yeah. So you guys had three kids. We did. Yep. Yeah. So we had Dash and Atlas. And then Lake was born just shortly before Adam died. Yeah. So how old were they
1: when Adam um,
0: died? Dash was six. Atlas was three. And then Lake was eight weeks old. Eight weeks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah,
1: it was, it was tough. <laughs> Yeah. So can you talk about that day? Like what was, what was that day for you? Uh, It was actually a totally normal
0: day. It was a Wednesday, which was, you know, really unusual. And he had just kind of gotten work wrapped up for the day and got an invitation to go out. So he, yeah, he's like, I'm going to go. And He went out and then... Because was this kind of his thing? He
1: was snowmobiling a lot.
0: um, You know, he had kind of like pulled back a little bit in recent years, which was funny because he was like, we would joke about it. I'm like, you're finally slowing down. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, I know. I'm I'm getting old, but you know, I don't like taking time away from you and the kids. And so... How old was Adam? uh, He was 36. Uh Yeah. He was so old. I know, I know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, so he'd been going a little bit more that year. Um, But yeah, to go out on a Wednesday was just kind of a random occurrence. And yeah, so it was later that afternoon. And how had the weather been? Um, You know, I I really actually don't remember what the weather was like. If I remember it, it was a pretty clear day. Um, But yeah, I can't remember. Certainly
1: nothing you expected that there would be anything adverse that he would be facing. No, no. And I consider myself a pretty intuitive individual. And
0: I like had no inkling or worry at all, which, you know, I look back on now and I'm like, Oh, that's kind of strange.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder why, huh? I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he went, he he'd gone. Mm-hmm. And I understand that you actually saw, uh, an alert from East Idaho news that there had been an avalanche. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it was dark at that point, which it was, you know, it gets dark early in January. And, um, years of being with Adam, I never expect him to be home when he say he's going to be home when he's out riding. Yeah. Like that is not unusual. I had no reason to be concerned. But then I I did see the news report that there had been a snowmobiler caught. And then, you know, I called my mom and I was like, eh, you know, this is on the news. And she instantly panicked. Like she just right off the bat. And I was like, you need to calm down. Like, I'm sure it's fine. And just started, you know, making all the calls and couldn't get through to everyone. And then I really started to panic. And he
1: went with a group of how many? He was one of three. One so of three. So there two. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: So, you know, I was calling just everyone I could reach. And I finally called search and rescue. The, he kind of, the man on the phone was like, oh, I, I just, let me put you on hold. And that scared me. And then while I was on hold, I got a call from his friend. Do you think he knew? Uh, I think so, uh-huh. yeah, because I was like, this is my name. Like, my husband was here. I can't get a hold of him. I saw this on the news, and he kind of, uh, 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 I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. So so his friend who was in the group uh uh-huh. called yep. you. Yep. So, and then, yeah, that was, it was a very traumatic evening because then they weren't able to find him immediately. So what was that call? He's been buried and we're looking You know, he actually didn't even have to say anything. He just said my name, and I instantly I just knew and I just you know I just was like no 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 like you know just complete total panic and then it was after that an exchange of a lot of phone calls with him and searching and rescue and then finally they just said after you know talking to them a few times they're like it's too dangerous like we cannot continue to look and yeah that was it was, it was really bad. And I didn't know it at the time, but they, they were afraid that it was going to be too deep for them to find him soon. And so I, you know, I found that out later, thank goodness. But
1: did you, at that moment, did you have this sense that you knew that he had died or do you, did you believe they'd find him? Yeah, no, I did. It was kind
0: of an instantaneous thing. And I think it, you know, working in motorsports i'd heard about so many deaths you know from avalanches and i i always said that that was like my one thing that i was worried and concerned about with his hobbies (laughs) i'm like it's not so much the dirt biking or the four-wheeling it's the snowmobiles that that scares me just a little bit and i kind of just instantly knew um you know, but then I'd kind of talk myself out of it. I'm like, if there's sure. anyone that's going to get out, it will be him. Like sure. he's absolutely capable. But then I just, in my gut, I was like, yeah,
1: he's, he's gone. And so that night that was probably like the worst night of your life.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I quite honestly, I don't have words to describe the horror that that instills. Like it's, it honestly is like a nightmare, but amplified times a million. It's just, it was, it was absolutely devastating. Your kids were
1: so tiny. Did they know what was going on? Uh,
0: my oldest did, you know, he, I mean, as much as a six-year-old could, you know, he was kind of
1: going like back and forth. Up
0: here. So. Yeah, something's wrong, something's wrong. And then, you know, I had to tell him. And so that was... You know, it was hard and he he actually remembers a little bit of it, but thankfully not all of it, which is good.
1: Does he remember his dad?
0: Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, he does. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness he's got, you know, so many incredible memories with his dad. His Adam was a fantastic father. Like he was truly a phenomenal dad. And so I am just so glad that Dash has those memories because now my little girl, she's three and very verbal incredibly smart she's got her questions and she wants to know you know where he is and you know all about him and so dash tells her story. she's telling her yeah yeah yeah
1: it's it's really sweet i love that yeah me too so they found him the next morning they did
0: yeah they found him actually right away before the search had even started um so that kind of also ties into my message with education Because the search, the initial search wasn't done properly, and he was actually really quite close to the surface and very close to um, where they were, like where they had started looking. So, you know, also as important it is for you to stay safe in order for you to help someone else while you're writing, it's important to know how to properly search for somebody. So, that was, um, you know, that was difficult for me to process, um, was how accessible he actually was that entire time like that's been that's been hard yeah i'm sure those
1: scenarios play over in your mind yeah absolutely and i definitely don't have any
0: blame to place on anybody you know i i really genuinely do not but it's just you know it's it's part of my message like it's important to know how to do a proper search if someone is caught
1: it's probably always that what if in the, in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you know, it was for a long time and luckily I was able to, you know, work through that with my grief counseling and you know, that what if is not, it's not
1: helpful to me. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. How about those guys that were with him? How are they?
0: Um, you know, I actually don't speak to them very much anymore, but I hope they're, I hope they're doing well.
1: Yeah. That's, that had to have been pretty rough. for them I, I imagine it too. was,
0: it was very traumatic
1: for them. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine so summer what have you learned about grief as you've navigated this journey you know i mean what advice would you have for other people who have experienced loss oh yeah grief is not
0: something that i really understood before now um you know i had had lost a few losses in my life until this point and the only major source of grief that I had before this was, um, you know, my son has developmental disabilities. And so that's a, that's a grief process. Your middle as well. son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I wasn't really f- familiar with what it was um, to have a major loss in like the toll that it takes. Um, so it was very eye-opening. For me personally, it took a very physical effect. Um, I got really sick and I had a really hard time eating and drinking. And, you know, I I did even have to go into the hospital at one point before the funeral, because I was just was so sick that I couldn't, I couldn't function. Function. Yeah. Um, And so even now as times pass, like I, I recognize those physical signs for me, like when a grief wave is coming, my appetite goes down and, you know, my energy level dips and it's, it's more difficult, but you know, grief is not something that you do initially and then you're all done. And then (laughs) you're, you you know, you've gone through the five stages and now it's over. Yep, And now you're out. No, Mm -hmm. it is like you go back to each stage uh, for periods of time and you don't know when those are going to come. And some really strange things trigger you but you know, like holidays. You don't really, you know, everyone says that, but you don't really appreciate it until you're going through it. And, you know, it's, it's just not anything that ends on a timeline. Like it is just something that you learn to cope with and you learn to address. And, you know, I've put a lot of personal work, like I said, with grief counseling, trying to, you know, approach that in the best way that I can. That's best for me. So I can take care of my kids.
1: Um, tell me about Grief counseling, not the actual yeah. counseling, but was that something that you knew right away you needed to do, or did somebody say, "Summer, we got to get you here"?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I I knew right away. You know, I'm oh, I've always been a big advocate for counseling, and so I'm like, you know, this is something I'm gonna just address head on. Like, I want, yeah, you know, it's, it's actually kind of funny. I remember shortly, it was like a couple days after, and. I was obviously having a really hard time and I just stood up and I started cleaning my house and everyone was like, are you okay? (laughs) And I was like, I have to do something. I was like, I refuse to live a sad life. I'm like, I, I absolutely refuse to be sad for the rest of my life. So I'm going to clean this house because it's a disaster. And then we're going to keep making funeral plans and I'm going to, I've got to find a way to move on because I can't sit in this spot And so I just, that's been kind of, I guess, like that was my starting point where I was like, this is not where I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep going as
1: hard as it is. Do you think that that's what aided in that inspiration to have a mission? Yeah, I think the, uh, the avalanche project has been
0: really good for me with my grief. Like it's been, it's been very instrumental in for me to like make it feel like, I could possibly, I don't know if I actually am, but possibly be making a difference from what I've experienced because I genuinely don't want anyone to feel the pain that I have felt. And so it makes me feel a little bit better to think that I could have possibly saved someone from that pain. Um, Like I said, I don't know if it actually does, but.
1: Have you always been that kind of an individual? You're just a mover. You just go. Um, You know, I don't know. (laughs) I was super content being a
0: stay-at-home mom and taking care of my babies. And I've, in fact, I had someone ask me the most interesting question not too long ago. We were talking about the loss of my husband. And this individual asked me, he said, um, you know, as hard as this has been, what can you tell me is the best thing that has come out of this? And I was like, oh, that's such a great question. And I really had to sit and think about it for a minute. And I said, I have discovered that I can do absolutely anything. There is nothing that I can't do. And it has given me more self-confidence and drive than I ever had before now because like, there's literally nothing that scares me. Like, I there's, there's nothing I can't do because I did that. Like, I lived through that. I am living through it. And it is really freaking hard. Like, this has been, it continues to be hard. It is hard to be a single widowed mom with three young kids and one with disabilities and just living this life completely without the partner I thought I was going to have. And to lose my best friend, to lose my life partner like that, like there's, there's nothing I can't do. And it, this experience is what taught me that. So I don't, I don't
1: know that I was always like that before. I'd yeah. like to think so, but. Well, I'm sorry you had to learn that lesson that way. Uh, yeah, but, me wow. too. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's clear that the confidence is very present and that you're very poised in this oh, message and you. that you have some amazing work to do here and and this is a great vehicle for you to be able to do that. Yeah, I hope so. An unfortunate tragedy that you have been able to turn around. I understand, you know, I'm a nurse by training, and so um, I, I have a brief glimpse into grief on occasion, but I also know that we as individuals who are surrounding people who are going through grief don't always do that very well. What kind of advice would you have for others who are, you know, look at you with that look of, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I I mean, clearly people's hearts are breaking for your experience. Yeah. Um, Is that helpful to you? What advice do you have for others on how to navigate this when they have someone who experiences a loss like this? How do you help people? I actually get asked that all the time. Like I get pretty regular Facebook messages
0: from, you know, friends or even people I don't know that well. They're like, this is happening in my friend's life or my family's life. Like, what do I do? What can I do? And it's a really hard question to answer. And I always just say, like, just be there. Like, seriously, that's, that's it. Um, a lot of times I do say like, give them grace because it's really hard to be, to always be kind and considerate. And, understanding when you're in so much pain, it's really hard not to constantly be, you know, to act appropriately, I guess. Yeah. And so I, I always mention that I'm like, give them grace while they're going through this because it's, it's hard to pull yourself together and to be, be kind to others. I imagine
1: other people's problems don't look that big when you're, <laughs> like oh you don't even know yeah no
0: in fact I joke about that all the time I'm like oh is that
1: hard like let's let's
0: talk about it let me tell you what hard is yeah I know I'm my I've been told I'm the worst person to complain to because I'm like I think you're gonna be fine yeah you can make it through this yeah I promise you're gonna be just fine
1: well it is an inspiration to be able to I mean think about it, you know, if you allow your head to go there and think that this could happen in your life, that's like, and you've lived it. I yeah. mean, I, it's, it is a man, like hard to imagine actually having that happen and putting perspective yeah. around that. And so it's, I appreciate you being willing to share that and yeah. and help us know how to navigate whatever everybody's loss is very individual to them. But um, I know that we don't always navigate that very well.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's inevitable. All of us are going to have major losses in our life at some point in time. We all are. And, you know, I, I know that the people who have experienced big loss are more understanding to it, where people who haven't, it is it is uncomfortable. You know, it's a, it's really uncomfortable to be around someone who is massively grieving because, their pain rubs off on you and it's painful yeah and so yeah that is like my honest advice is just be there. like just be available because you know there is a point in time where the phone calls stop coming and the people stop visiting and then you're just alone
1: and it's it's tough. It's hard being alone. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. So tell me about that. How have you gone forward, picked up those pieces, put them together as that strange jigsaw puzzle that it's going to be like, and I know initially you actually moved to Boise to be closer to your mom. I did. Yeah. I moved to Boise. Um,
0: I feel like in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm kind of fortunate that I have young children because they keep me very, very busy. (laughs) They keep me really busy. So you know, I'm never without something to do, Yeah, you know? So yeah, being in Boise was fantastic. Um, I really loved it. And then life brought me back here. Yeah. And then, you know, I've been, I was a stay at home mom. Adam had a small trucking business and I, you know, helped him with his business from home. So I obviously was like, well, I can't run a trucking business, so what am I going to do now? (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have my college degree. I went to ISU. Um, I got a degree in mass communications and with a minor in English. And so looking at my life, I was like, what am I going to do for work? Like, how am I going to make this happen? and looked and looked for jobs actually had a couple opportunities that i ended up having to turn down because my reality is is i've got three kids i don't have a partner i've got a child with disabilities like i cannot have you need
1: some flexibility
0: yeah Mm -hmm. i need a lot of flexibility so i put a ton of thought into it and was like you know what i'm gonna go take my real estate classes and see see how I like it. And if I don't like it, I don't have to finish it and started it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. This is right
1: up your alley. Oh
0: yeah. So right up my alley. And I love design. I love homes. Like, and I love working with people. I love talking to people. So yeah, I started doing that this year and it's been just this year, just this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm brand new. Yeah.
1: Wow. (laughs) What a year
0: to be doing it because the market has been really hot. Oh yeah. It's, It's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm, I just love it. Like it's so fun. And then, you know, I've got enough, not a ton of flexibility, but just enough that it works for me. And that's that's exactly what my family
1: needed. So So what agency
0: are you with? I'm with Greater Peterson real estate team. Yep. So it's uh and it's a blast.
1: Yeah, how fun is that? Yeah. Well I would imagine um, you know, trying to figure out how the rest of your life, this wasn't the picture that was, oh, yeah, no, you <laughs> this was not by, my right? plan. And right. I'm a planner. Like, <laughs> this is not my plan. So had you done any work in mask in your degree prior? No, i got your degree and then you yeah. had your kids and you were staying home.
0: Yep. I finished while dash was a baby, uh-huh. um, got it wrapped up. And at that point, Adam's business was going really well and he needed help with like his books and handling all of that. And so we just, I just jumped on board with him and did that with him so I you know being a real estate agent you are technically like a contractor so I'm like okay I know how to handle being self-employed kind of so that's been very beneficial for me I'm glad I had all that those years of experience of helping him with his business because it's benefited me in the long run.
1: Do you have any advice for those stay home moms that are like, you know, I think some of us get to the point where our kids are in school and then we're, we have more time that we didn't have before yeah. and we're looking at our lives and wondering what to do. Like, do you have advice for those stay home moms or, or single moms? Like, yeah, how do you choose and how do you move forward and how do you, where do you find the energy and the courage to do (laughs) it. I, you know, I wish I had advice, but I am
0: open to all the advice (laughs) (laughs) because yeah, I stayed at home with my babies for over eight years. Like it was a huge adjustment for me to go back to work. And it is, it's, you know, the mom guilt is real. Like, you know, you had little mama shirt shop on and she kind of talked about that too, about how, how bad you feel about going to work, even though you want something more. And so it's, It's a tough balance
1: to to find. So I I wish I had advice. (laughs) I'm still figuring it out. Well, I think what I can say, but although I was a career person, I worked my entire time, I didn't get to be home with my kids. I do know that that made me a better mom. You know, the whole idea of being able to for myself. It doesn't, it's not for everybody. I totally understand that. But I do think that for my family, it did help them see that mom could accomplish other things and it helped my own self-esteem. Like I I just had to have that. Yeah.
0: And I've noticed that for me, that my job brings me so much fulfillment. And I I really genuinely enjoy it. And so, you know, and I think especially for my daughter, I want her to see me succeed. Like I want her to look back and be like, oh my mom did that. Like and she was awesome and she worked. So you know I want her to feel like she can if do. If that's what I everything. want to do, yeah, absolutely, do yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And you know, of course, for my boys too, but particularly my daughter. I want her to know that she can do. She can do anything. So
1: yeah, I love that message. Well, clearly, um, you appear so strong, and I know people watching you wonder how you have done this. You know, what do you have to say to that?
0: Um, you know, I, I. I laugh when people say that. I'm like, oh, I'm glad I have you fooled. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, no, it's, you know, I, I put a lot of intention into my life. You know, I try really hard to practice self-care, which is not something that I'm great at, but I work on it constantly. I try and take care of myself and be the best that I can be for my kids. And, you know, it's, it's an everyday thing. You know, I work, to try and Really put some effort into not living my sad life and moving forward and, you know, just trying
1: to take care of myself so I can take care of my babies. It's yeah. a huge message. I mean, you have yeah. the best excuse to just crawl into bed and never come out. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, what was it? It was just like this internal drive that just said, I'm not going to do that.
0: Yeah. I guess, I guess I'm a, a survivor that I didn't really know until I had to survive that yeah. I was like, Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just climb in bed and not ever get out. But I do have to say, it's my children, like absolutely, I don't, you know, I they're my everything. Like, and I'm gonna get emotional. But every single thing I do is for them, and I just want to give them the best life that I possibly can. And it's 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 been really hard, but I hope that one day they can look back and see. That I really I tried so hard. Um, do you ever feel like Adam's here? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's getting less and less as the time goes on. Initially it felt like all the time, but you know, we get little messages here and there, I feel like, that, you know, slide through in a in a song or, you know, whenever there's an orange sunset, Dash always thinks it's from his daddy and you know, he's, he's very much a part of our lives. And I really genuinely hope my children grow up knowing where they came from and how loved, you know, how loved they are. Yeah, I, I
1: think that uh, there's no question just by the way that you're parenting, <laughs> that they're going to feel that. And, so. and clearly the work that you're doing around Adam and, and for his legacy. So how can people help? Like, you know, I mean, obviously at this point, We want people to use the equipment and to be educated, but how can we help the project? Um, You know, donations are always fantastic, um,
0: and that doesn't always necessarily need to be money. But, um, you know, time is always good when we do the installation for those signs. Um, That's fairly time-consuming. It usually takes a day, um, and so it's always nice to have extra hands to do that but yeah monetary donations are really really helpful because that keeps us going that allows us to do more each year which is great
1: and people can do that through the website which is the adamanderson.org yep yeah Yep. or facebook yeah or um you
0: know i've taken just venmo through me personally and yeah, that works too. Yeah. So,
1: Action Motorsports, do they take donations yes. on your behalf yep. as well? Yep. Steve Dutcher, there, he'll uh, he'll take those. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, um, you know, I hope that we can all be sensitive to the fact that um, this is a huge benefit to our community and a great place for um, us to donate our money. Now, this is a nonprofit. It's five hundred one c. Yes. So it. Yep. Donation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Great. Is. Well, Summer. Uh, Uh, It's been such a great opportunity to talk to you, but before I let you go, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners? I can't think of anything, but I really appreciate you coming and doing this. It's so delightful to get to know you. Well, you too. It's a privilege. I just want to thank you so much for your time today and for educating me and the listeners on the dangers of backcountry snowmobiling and how a simple action of getting one of these packs could save your life. So. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Please keep it up oh, and know that you've got a lot of us cheering you on. Oh, thanks. We thank don't want to be that. the ones that get that phone call. Yeah. Yeah. All right. As a reminder, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair with locations in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. If you're in need of automotive repair provided with honesty and integrity, please come and see us and let our family take care of your family. And guys, there's no business leadership moment today. My message to you is to complete to please consider donating to this worthwhile cause and be a part of helping even one rider come home to their family. So thank you, and we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast, proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair. For all your car care needs in eastern Idaho, let our family
1: take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.